that time of the week again, welcoming you into Pick and Pod. I am Vinny DeBellis, joined by Jimmy Sullivan, Peter Hudek. Guys, how we doing? Doing good. Doing good. Big week in the NBA. A lot of stuff I think we need to get into, including maybe can the Raptors compete with the Warriors. That was a very interesting game the other night, so kind of enjoying all the basketball action. Doesn't feel maybe quite as predetermined as, say, maybe it did last year or the year before. I'm excited to talk about the turmoil in Chicago. Jim <laughs> Boylan, where you at? Yeah, let's start with the Chicago news because I, I think you guys you guys sort of just put me onto it before. I wasn't following it too closely, but I knew the players were not happy. So if you want to just break that down quickly from, uh, I guess, broad strokes, what, what exactly is going on in Chicago? What, what, what's going on over there? So basically, so Fred Hoiberg was the coach of the Bulls from, I believe, 2015 on. He was not, not popular. Not popular, not terribly successful either. I think he only went to the playoffs once, just missed it a couple other times. This past year, they get off to a terrible start. Uh, everybody finally realizes that they're they're really bad. Uh, they're one of the worst teams in the league. Hoiberg, unsurprisingly, gets fired. Probably going to be coaching in college somewhere because that's where they they got him from, from Iowa State. And in steps Jim Boylan, who longtime NBA assistant. I think this is the first time he's ever been a coach, interim, full-time, mm-hmm. otherwise. And he comes in, and his exact wording is that he wanted to institute uh, what he called a shock and awe campaign with the Bulls, which makes him sound like a military general, which yeah, is insane. Yeah, totalitarian. Like, <laughs> yeah, basically. So then he comes in. He's running, I think I read, like three-and-a-half-hour practices. They're doing <laughs> wind sprints if they mess something up on a drill or something. Uh, he took his starting unit, all five of them, out twice uh, during their game. I believe it was against Boston, the game they lost by 56. And he is just... They're not putting up with it in Chicago. The players don't like it. They held a players-only meeting on Sunday. Boylan wanted to have them do a practice after that game on Saturday, which is unheard of in the NBA. So then they come in, they do a practice on Sunday, but the players show up, they say, we're not practicing. We just want to do a meeting. So they did a players-only meeting, and they aired out a lot of stuff. And it's really a mess in Chicago. And John Paxson came out, I think it was yesterday, and said, look, we're, we're happy with uh, the job Jim Boylan has done. So there's a lot of dysfunction in Chicago, and there's, it would appear, no fix in sight for them as long as the current people are still there. You missed a couple fun nuggets, Jimmy. Uh, I, I, well, there's only Three so much games time. Three into Pete. the season, the players called the union, the <laughs> yeah. players' union, because they thought they were being treated unfairly. When Boylan said they were going to have a two-and-a-half-hour practice the day after uh, a back-to-back, um, the players had a text-like conversation where they all like thought they would just not show up. They would boycott the practice until Wendell Carter Jr., a rookie, and Robin Lopez said, eh, maybe we should go to practice. <laughs> And then they held a players-only meeting, and I think the players-only meeting was held by Zach Levine, who's like in his fourth or third year in the league. It's insane what's happening in Chicago. They have no veterans, and they're just running amok. Yeah, these tactics sound like JV basketball coaching type type thing, but and, and it maybe works there, you know, trying to just be the bad cop the whole time and, and will your guys to, to winning, but it's not going to work in the NBA, especially in this landscape of – 2018 NBA because these guys are multi-millionaires and the NBA sort of structure is so dependent upon free agency and guys wanting to play for a franchise Chicago one of the most storied franchises in, in the league you can make the case if, if they're not number one they're a top five franchise I mean since Jordan you know so if if this is the reputation that that they're getting across to guys and they have such a 
I don't want to say a great young nucleus, but guys like Zach Levine early in the year, Markkinen had a great year last year. These guys can play. There's no doubt about it. So it, I, I think it's just a, a complete deterrent, to say the least, to have a coach in there who's just practicing these these sort of antics here. And I, I don't know. I don't, I don't see it lasting in the long run. Even if they're trying to get behind it right now, they might think, oh, I got a group of young guys. We want to sort of put them in their place. But I don't think that's the way – even on the college landscape, you don't really see coaches operating like that anymore. I don't. I can't see it working out in the NBA. Uh, Jim Boylan reminds me of Greg Popovich without an off switch, mm. where Popovich does some of that same stuff where he's pulled all five of his starters, even when Parker and Ginobili and Duncan were all there. He still did all that stuff, and he talked to those guys in a way that I think a lot of other people wouldn't have put up with. But Jim Boylan has just pushed it about 10 degrees too far. I mean, when you're, when you're talking about the players feeling the need to call the union – because they're practicing so hard and they're basically getting worked so hard that they say, you know what, this this might be against the rules. Then you're saying, like, okay, now we've gone a little too far. And I understand why to shift the culture, and I get that, because Chicago very clearly needs that, whether it's Jim Boylan or somebody else doing it. But, man, there's a, there's a way to go about it, and Jim Boylan is not at all doing it right now. And, and I don't see any way in which, at least if I was running the team, that he would be the long-term guy for this franchise because he's just not going about it the right way whatsoever i have uh, two sides of thought on this when i first heard that zach levine held the players only meeting mm. at first i'm like you know zach levine i think is 23 24 years old just in the nba just got a huge contract maybe he doesn't want to show up to these practices usually guys uh holding players only meeting is like a guy who's dignified like a paul pierce a vince yeah. carter a veteran a real a guy you can lean on and then but then i think the media has been killing Jim Boylan and the coaches in the NBA it's like a fraternity if they think the another coach is being treated unfairly they will come out Rick Carlisle you know the head of the coaches union he'll come out say something you know this is like pop he played for like he, this guy coached for Popovich if Popovich thought he was uh you know, being treated unfairly, Popovich would say something. No one has said anything. They've all let Jim Boylan go through all the scrutiny. I think he actually deserves it on this case. Yeah, so you're saying somebody would have already come to his defense if Yeah, he I think a coach would have said it. something. I think they would have been like, hey, I saw the way you're writing about Boylan. Yeah. I don't think that's <laughs> true. And, you know, no one's saying anything. Well, that's true, too. I mean, you look basically every NBA broadcast that Jeff Van Gundy's on, he works in a way to defend Tom Thibodeau, mm. if you ever notice that. So, like, yeah, like you said, they're tight like this. And you notice no. no one's defending Jim Boylan. Nobody's saying anything, which is the silence is kind of deafening there where coaches will be the first to defend one another, especially if it's the media doing it, because then they'll just rip the media and say, oh, they make up this, you know, whatever. And that none of that's happening. So it's a mess in Chicago right now. And uh, I don't know how they get their way out of it, but they're going to try. It's a mess all the way up top. Gar Foreman and John Paxson have been in the uh, – power position and like GM way too long they got to get those guys out of there they have some good they have some good pieces on that team Laurie Markkinen Wendell Carter Jr. I like those two guys I don't know about giving Zach Levine what like 20 million dollars a year but hey um you know you gotta you gotta do something with Wendell Carter Jr. and Laurie Markkinen because those guys can play yeah but they need some type of free agency moves to, to... not Jabari Parker <laughs> yeah not Jabari Parker but you know like it's so hard in today's NBA, I feel like, to build a homegrown, a truly homegrown championship team. You know, it, I mean, the Warriors, you could make the case they did it, but that's the, kind of the one exception, and that was before they got KD. So the Bulls here need, if, if they're going to, I mean, right now, a championship team, that's that's way off, not, not even close to 6-23 right now. 
But if they ever want to be in that position, they need to pull a few big-time free agency moves to make that happen, I think. It, it's not, and as great as the pieces that we've mentioned multiple times are, they need help if they're ever going to do that. And like I said earlier, they're not going to want to play for a guy like that. And I can see maybe his coaching style is sort of a kind of rebellion in – I could see him being mad at the fact that LeBron could pretty much go to any team, choose whatever coach he wants, and still get a team to the finals, as he did. No disrespect to Tyron Lue, but I, I don't think anyone thought Lue was some kind of mastermind coach, and it didn't matter that much. So that's got to be frustrating as a coach. You, you spend your entire life uh, just studying the game, go, uh, taking the profession so seriously, and I feel like there are maybe a handful of coaches in the league right now that really matter and really have a, a – positive correlation and impact on their team winning obviously the pops the brad stevens of, of the business uh, i like who's in, in utah right now uh, uh Quinn snyder, snyder. Yeah. i really like so there's some guys like that but then there are also a lot of teams where the players are just so good that i don't think the coaching matters as much as it does maybe in the college landscape and i you think know? too on the flip side of that you were talking about well they need some free agent moves but if I'm a free agent, if I'm Kawhi Leonard or Jimmy Butler or Clay Thompson, one of these guys, unless the Bulls fire everybody, I don't want to go there. Of course, yeah. they're a mess right now. They're even if you add a free agent, they're not. They're going to be a lower end playoff team, I think, in the East because even though the East is bad, the Bulls have so much work to do. And I just think like you got to fire Gar Pax. Okay, that's what they you know did Gar Foreman, John Paxson. Uh, you got to get rid of Jim Boylan. You have to completely clean house. You need to start anew. You need to go out, get a good assistant coach. I don't know who that is exactly, but you find one of those guys, and then you go from there. And unless you do that, I just don't think you're going to be able to attract those free agents. I mean, they're going to have a very high draft pick this year, obviously, probably top five unless they really turn things around here. But I just don't know how they're going to be able to attract those guys unless they really, really change direction in a hurry. And the thing is, this is Chicago. It's a big city. It's a big media market. Players want to play there. It's just so dysfunctional. It's like the Knicks. No one's going to touch it. We're not talking about Charlotte here. We're not talking about a place that probably will never really attract a big free agent. But, you know. Yeah, third biggest city in the country, and they, they can't get it done. So, And they're used to winning. So, it's uh, you know, there's potential there, I guess, if you're a hopeful Bulls fan. That's, that's what you got to look at is that they won six rings not too long ago in the grand scheme of things. So, maybe they can turn it around. But going from the really bad to really good last night, James Harden, 50-point triple-double, video game stuff, beating the Lakers in Houston. Now, when when the Rockets got off to a, a really bad start to start off the season, some people were panicking as I feel like the, the NBA nerds of the world panic at that type of thing. Me as a guy who sort of watches the NBA but doesn't really dive deep into it until maybe April after March Madness is over, I'm saying the, the Rockets are going to be just fine. I'm still confident that even with some of the changes from last year to this year that you got James Harden, you got Chris Paul on that team, they're still going to be a top five, top six team in the West at least. And I think showings like last night proved why James Harden's still a consensus top five, top six player in the league and that they're going to be just fine when everyone needs to ratchet it up. You know, it's amazing. They're asking James Harden – believe it or not, to do more this year. He scored 30 a game last year, but you lose Trevor Ariza. They've lost some of that offense, so they need Harden to actually pick up more of the load. He's actually done that. He's up in points. He's scoring nearly 31 per game. Granted, it's only 24 games, playing about 36 minutes, shoots at about 45%. He's basically kept it the same from last year, which is tremendously impressive because last year was the best year of his career. So it remains to be seen whether just having Harden 
and CP3 is going to be enough to say get them back to the Western Conference Finals because I do think the loss of Trevor Ariza is huge. I think Trevor Ariza is a really good player, and I don't know where he's going to wind up because he signed with Phoenix. I don't see him staying there the whole year. He's going to get traded to a contender. But if Harden and Paul can pick up enough of that load, they're going to be okay. It's just a question of do you do you go with a team like the Rockets going to the Western Conference Finals, or do you maybe take a team like the Lakers where it's a little bit more diversified, maybe LeBron doesn't have to do as much. But yeah, Harden has been tremendously impressive. I was skeptical that he could follow last year up with as good of a year. And in some ways, he's actually been better to this point. Whether or not he's able to do that for the rest of the season remains to be seen. But if he keeps these numbers up, he could win another MVP, one, and two. He could kind of save this Rocket season because they got off to such a slow start. I think they're still out of the playoffs if the season ends today. So he's he's really done a great job for this Houston team. And he's kind of carrying them right now because they really don't have a lot of other great options. Yeah, my problem with the Rockets was always I was never worried they were going to make the playoffs. I was just worried that they were not going to be as successful mm. as they were last year. Chris Paul, another year older. You know, they lost Trevor Reza, brought in Carmelo. Not exactly. <laughs> and the same defensive presence there. But um, December 15th, that's tomorrow. That's the first day that players who signed last offseason can get traded. So that means they can get Carmelo out, maybe possibly finagle a way to get Trevor Reza back. I don't necessarily see that happening. But, um... Yeah, I don't really have too much to say about this Rockets team. I'm not too surprised that they're not doing that well. They lost their defensive kind of assistant coach. He's actually coming back. He just had some uh, – They he was retired, and then they, I guess, threw some money at him. He's going to come back, but he has some uh, obligations to take care of. I think they'll make the playoffs. I mean, you said it right now they're not in the playoffs, but the Kings are. So, you know, those playoff standings may not be what they are. Kings in, uh, and the Grizzlies. Oh, God, I gotta love the Grizzlies and the Kings, but um, gotta Insane. throw some respect, Jaron Jackson, Buddy Hield. Um, but yeah, I don't think those guys are gonna be playing in the playoffs anytime soon. I think the Rockets will be there. And then two teams that are definitely going to be in the playoffs. Sort of a surprise box score from a few nights ago with Kawhi Leonard not playing. The Rockets, not the Rockets, the Raptors took it to Golden State, beating them by twenty convincingly. And that's that's a season sweep. I mean, the first game, I watched much of the first game. Didn't see too much of last night, but first game was really tight. KD did everything he could to win that uh, the first game against the Raptors, and he couldn't do it. But, I mean, this Raptors team in a lot of ways is showing exactly what they did last year with DeRozan instead of Kawhi and just dominating throughout the regular season, winning a lot of games the teams say they shouldn't win. I'm still of sort of the school of thought that, I'm not too worried about the Warriors. I think when they get Boogie back and everybody, similar to the Rockets, when it's go time, they'll turn it up. But still, you got to commend the the Raptors for coming out. And I'd say at this point, prohibitive favorite in the East. Is that fair to say? So I keep telling myself, it's a game I I have to play with myself every year. It's don't get caught up in the Raptors in December (laughs) or January. You don't get, you don't get a real answer about whether or not the Raptors are good enough to win the East until the first week in May. Uh, because that's what I thought they were going to win the East last year. Uh, I thought they were talented enough to pull it off. And then they go, they run into LeBron, and you know how that ends pretty much every year. So when that happened, then you say, okay, that's a big blow, and they hire Nick Nurse, and there's a lot of questions about whether or not he's ready. Clearly he is. And there's this Raptors team that's really good, you know. The thing that the other night taught me about Toronto, I think, if if there's any takeaway, it's that, Kawhi's out, obviously, and they still win by 20. What, assuming they're going to have Kawhi back for the playoffs, which obviously they will because this doesn't seem like a major injury, 
let's say he goes cold. Let's say his offense sort of deteriorates a little bit. He has a couple bad games. The other night showed me that the other guys can pick up the load. Lowry, Siakam, Danny Green. Those guys can go get some offense and be able to maybe get some buckets down the stretch. And that might be the difference between losing some of those close games like they have over the last couple of years and winning them. So I think this Raptors team... I don't want to go ahead and say they're the prohibitive favorite in the East, but then again, what are the other options at this point? Celtics for you? There you going? I I guess I have to. I want. I kind of want to stick with them just because I picked them in the preseason, yeah, yeah, yeah. and I don't want to be the guy who flip flops five million times. <laughs> but this Raptors team looks really good right now. All the credit in the world to Nick Nurse. He showed that he is more than capable as an NBA coach, and they're playing better offensive basketball, I think, than they ever have in these past five years or so that they've been good. So I think it's a deeper supporting cast now. The biggest move I think they made in the offseason, other than Kawhi Leonard, Danny Green. He has mm. been huge for this team. He's a, he's a shooter. Too. He's a winner. He plays good defense. He sort of just does everything right, and I think he's a really good influence in that locker room. Not that this was you know a bad locker room or anything before that, but I think adding another guy like that can never hurt. So it's a Raptors team that's really good, and they're certainly playing like the best team in the East right now. Yeah, the thing about the Raptors is they brought in Danny Green, and it kind of reminds me that the fact that they might be kind of Spurs East, sort mm. of, in the way that they, they know how to take care of business in the regular season. They know how to overachieve every single year in the uh, regular season. They always have great coaching, but then when it comes to playoffs, they're just not talented enough. And Kyle Lowry's an all-star, but he's kind of a lower-tier all-star. Kawhi Leonard, huge improvement over DeRozan, one of the best players in the league. But then when you look over to the talent that a team like the Celtics has with so many all-star caliber players, I know they're not playing like it right now, but they have one of the best coaches in the league in Brad Stevens. And then you look over to the uh, Sixers, and they have two all-world talents in Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid and a known winner in Jimmy Butler, a cutthroat guy. I just don't know if the Raptors will have what it takes to win it this year. Yeah, those are three really good teams. I just have ridiculous faith in Kawhi. I think he's that good. But, again, as you said, one guy, unless you're LeBron, is pretty tough to beat entire complete teams. So it's cool that we have some parity in the East this year and – Moving out west, just real quick before we get to some Knicks and Nets. Game of the night tonight, OKC against the first place Denver Nuggets at 18-9. and And I'm going to be honest, have not watched the Denver Nuggets game this year so far. But super impressive. I, I've always been a big fan of Jokic. Doesn't, don't feel like he gets enough love. But it, it's a lot of, I don't want to say no-name guys, but I wouldn't say going into this year they had a, a – superstar I feel like Jokic is borderline superstar you know he's he's not a, a household name at this point just because the the Nuggets haven't had success like that so what what do you guys look for in that one I'm taking OKC just because I feel like with the star power Russ is going to be mad about the other night he passed off that shot that he probably should have shot and he's just going to be in, in beast mode I like OKC on the road I, I'm pretty sure it's on the road they're they're in Denver I'm gonna go OKC by a little bit tonight but you, you think Denver could pull this one off yeah, I think Denver can pull it off. Uh, Jokic is superstar-level talent. Mm. You know, it's hard to be a superstar in Denver, obviously. I mean, Carmelo was able to pull it off, but he was such a popular player for many reasons. Um, yeah, I think Denver is going to win. I think they have a lot of no-names, but that's good for them. You know, they don't need anyone leaving in free agency. They have a lot of talented players, Gary Harris, you know, Jamal Murray, a lot, of, a lot of guys who can really play basketball. And then you look over at the Thunder, and they have, you know, they have Westbrook, Paul George, and Steven Adams, and then they have a lot of guys who, you know, 
Russell Westbrook won't pass the ball to. So <laughs> that, that's what I think about the Thunder. You know, Russell Westbrook is going to do his thing. Paul George is going to do his thing. And Adams is going to try and get all the rebounds. Yeah, I, I, I like this game for a number of reasons. This Nuggets team, believe it or not, Jamal Murray's actually leading them in scoring slightly mm. over Nikola Jokic. I think Jokic is a superstar. He's played like it really for the last two or three years now, and I think you finally graduate to that status once you've been able to, to put that together for a couple of years. I mean, you look at some of his numbers, 17 points per game, nearly 10 rebounds, almost eight assists. He's like Marcus Gasol, but he actually passes it a lot better, believe it or not. So he's he's sort of a, a finer-tuned version of that. So, yeah, to me, he's he's a superstar. I think I'll go with Denver. I, I think the home the home court in Denver, I think it's better than people realize. And they've done a great job, really, building this roster. Tim Connolly, their GM, we actually had him on one-on-one a couple of weeks ago, and he was talking about how they built this roster. I'm a huge fan of Mike Malone, their head coach. I think he's fantastic. No idea why the Kings got rid of him, but Kings going to Kings, so that's kind of <laughs> what they do. Uh, but, yeah, this, this Nuggets team is really well-structured. I don't think they're going to be the one seed going into the playoffs, but I could see them staying up there, maybe in that three or four or five range where they're one of the better teams in the Western Conference because I don't see this 18-9 and nine start that they're on. I don't see that as a fluke for them. I really don't. I think this is a very good basketball team, and then we'll see what happens if they have to play the Lakers or the Warriors or the Rockets in the playoffs. Love to see the Nuggets sneak into the playoffs as opposed to the normal suspects in the West. It's always cool, for, for me at least, as someone who loves just the NCAA tourney and March Madness so much, just to have some underdogs in the NBA playoffs, a lot of times they can't win the big series, but it's it's cool. Like the Jazz last year, I don't know if I'd, I'd call them that, but when they beat OKC, I thought everyone was really excited sort of following Donovan Mitchell and the, the whole underdog story that they were. So still, still a lot of time before the playoffs, but uh, I'll be pulling for the Nuggets. Now time to get into some New York basketball, and we will start with the New York Knicks. All right, go New York, go New York, go. And the Knicks, after after beating the Bucks to start off the month, have gotten progressive. I don't want to say progressively worse. That's not what, but but in a little bit of a slump right now. Losers of their past five after dropping to the Cavs on Wednesday. They n- next contest against the Hornets. And, you know, it's, it's tough for me to follow along and be, I guess, as a Knicks uh, sort of fair-weather Knicks fan, as I call myself, just really intrigued with the, the Knicks this season because I know that there's a there's a hard ceiling on what they can do this year. And, uh, you know, as, as I've said on past episodes of Pick and Pod, th- this year is sort of more, I feel like, a tryout to see what their guys have and how appealing they can make out this New York Knicks team for free agents because it's a really rich free agent class and if they can show that they have the pieces to compete and it's an environment that people want to be in then I think they achieve every goal that they could possibly want to get to this season you're absolutely right about hard cap on what they can do one they're one of the bottom three or four teams in the Eastern Conference I think there's no doubt about that they're down there with teams like you know the Hawks or the Bulls or, or even the Cavs this year because they've been really bad this is the year where you see what you have with the Knicks Tim Hardaway's leading them in scoring he's got 21 maybe that's a piece you keep maybe he's not the number one option offensively because maybe that's just not what you're going for it's probably going to be Porzingis when he comes back so but you keep Hardaway around because he, he knows how to score and yeah he's not the most efficient guy in the world all the time but he can put the the ball in the basket 
Kevin Knox, I think, is the thing that's kind of been disappointing to a lot of Knicks fans. He's only shooting about 36%, not quite scoring 10 points per game. I think people expected him to have a bigger role in the offense, particularly after the Summer League, which I know everybody freaked out about how well he played, and they were all so excited, and rightfully so. And I, I think that he does have the talent, but I think he's, I just don't think he's as far along as we thought he would be at this point. Still think it was a good pick for the Knicks. I think he's still going to be a good player, but it's just not. It hasn't been what they've wanted so far. Alonzo Trier is a the guy they locked up the other day. They signed him to – he was on a two-way deal. They signed him to an extension, so they'll have him for a while. He's a good piece, I think, to keep around, even if you're going for a free agent. And then, like you said, Vinny, the summer of 2019, I think they're going to go hard after KD. I think they might put in a call or two to Kawhi. I don't think he'll come, but I think it's <laughs> worth a shot. Jimmy Butler is a guy I think they could go after as well. So it's going to be interesting for them. They have to prove that, one, David Fisdale is a guy who can get along with these guys because he had some issues in Memphis getting along with guys like Marcus Gasol and Mike Conley. So that was, that was an issue for them. And, two, they have to prove that it's an ownership that's going to be all in on them winning, and they're going to make sure they make the right decisions, the right trades in the middle of the season to be able to do that. So it's as much a tryout this year for those guys, the Scott Perrys and the David Fisdales, as it is for the guys on the floor, you know, Tim Hardaway, Trey Burke, or Ennis Kanter. Yeah, I think the biggest Knicks story of the week actually had nothing to do with the Knicks. It was when LeBron played Dwayne Wade. Oh. <laughs> and LeBron in that little post-game interview said it had to either end here or the Garden. And every Knicks fan was like, wait a minute, that was a possibility. It could have ended at the Garden. And uh, and then, you know, every Knicks fan started overthinking, you know, we could have got LeBron, we could have got LeBron. And then uh, Winhorst actually tweeted, you know, there wasn't probably a big possibility LeBron was going to the uh, Knicks, but after the way Phil Jackson treated Carmelo, there was no chance it was ever going to happen. And if you didn't think Phil Jackson could do any more harm to the Knicks, well, guess again, he kept LeBron from us. Well, Phil Jackson, I saw, was at the Lakers facility the other day. Wow. They, they got him on camera. They usually don't get him on camera because he is there from time to time, but they never get him. That time they got him. So he he's out of hibernation. Uh, he's obviously long gone from the Knicks, but... Hey, still active in basketball and uh, still apparently hurting the Knicks, believe it or not, even though he's not even doing it in official capacity. It's impressive. It's insane how much his image has changed. I didn't. Th- I don't, I don't say he's tarnished his legacy because I don't think you can take away 11 rings, I believe it is. like that, that, That's insane, and no matter how bad he was with the Knicks. But but I never thought we, there'd come a day where we think about Phil Jackson, and I think he's toxic at this point. I w- if I'm a team, I want after <laughs> as bad as he was with the Knicks, I want no part – from a player relations standpoint to an X's and O's on the court stuff. It was just all bad. And uh, so that, that's crazy to me. But then I I, I think you also got to hold Re- LeBron responsible a little bit there. I, I'm a huge LeBron fan, and I hardly have any bad stuff to say about him. But there, why, why do you have to just torture Nick, Knicks fans there? There's no reason to do that. He was definitely just poking the bear right there and trying to just torment a fan base that has been tormented enough over the past – few decades so i i was not a fan of the comment by braun i thought i thought it was funny Fine. i thought yeah. it was kind of harmless yeah i mean look the knicks did it to themselves true if you think true. about it so if i'm a knicks fan you know i, I sort of apply this philosophy if i'm rooting for the jets or the mets <laughs> where you You're just used to it. whatever something bad happens you just laugh so like with this you just you sort of laugh it off and you go, yeah i mean no chance the knicks would ever sign him because you know if it's a tiebreaker between hey i could go to the knicks or let's say it was 2010, so I could go to the Knicks, or I could go down to Miami with two of my best buds. I'm going to go down to Miami with two yeah. of my best buds because that's what I did. No, I mean, it, I, I was fine with it. I didn't have any issue with it. Uh, he probably he knew all those cameras were around. He knew the mic was on, and he did it. And hey, it was you know, it's uh, it got everybody rolling for a couple of days. So I didn't have a problem with it. 
Good for LeBron. If he came to the Knicks, he probably would tore his ACL in the first game anyway. <sighs> not in the Knicks lock. Yeah. So we'll see. Again, anticipating that 2019 free agency summer and also the draft pick. Hopefully the Knicks can get a solid draft pick to make it even more appealing to come to the Garden. But now we'll move downtown a bit, talk some Brooklyn Nets, who have been a little bit better than the Knicks, but not substantially better. So the Nets have been in some really close games recently. Winners of their last three, beating the very game Sixers team by three, beat the Knicks by eight, Raptors by one at home in OT, and then lost to the Thunder on that Paul George three that was just a dagger after they were leading pretty much that entire game. But really impressive there. I wasn't aware that they were so hot recently. And I guess those type of results show you that maybe they're – I don't know if – I want to go as far as to say that there's the talent on the team to compete with this level, but at least that they're look they're they're winning these type of games. It has to show you some sort of hope that they're at least in the same league. Maybe they're trying harder than the other teams, or I mean, there there are a lot of explanations there, and I don't want to make too much of early season uh, results, I guess. But it's it's definitely a sign of hope for the Nets if they're beating the Raptors and a possession away from beating OKC. I think they're one of the uh, worst, most fun watched. Team, fun to watch teams in the NBA. Mm. Yeah, they got these young players. They had Karis LeVert. He got hurt. He'll be back at some point eventually. They're actually winning all these games without Karis LeVert, which I think is impressive for them. I think it tells you also a lot about Kenny Atkinson and, and the, the kind of coach that he is because he hasn't gotten the results. He's This is his third year now, and he's, he's never been successful with the Nets, but you get the sense the players want to play for him. They play hard every night. You know, You can't really fault the Nets' effort often, if at all. Uh, they they can play with anybody. Uh, a lot of it, when they lose these close games, it's it's a young team, and some of the executions just not there right now because you've got a lot of young players manning these roles who haven't had maybe those reps or that experience. I mean, if you look at their starting lineup, Joe Harris is twenty seven, D'Angelo Russell twenty two, Jared Allen's twenty, you know, Allen Crabs twenty six. So you don't you don't have any of those veterans, but they could get one of the two of those guys in there. Maybe if it's not even a marquee free agent per se. Maybe they take a shot at the playoffs next year, but I think it tells you a lot about Kenny Atkinson because I think he's one of the best coaches in the league, even despite the fact that he hasn't been able to get the results. The players are still wanting to come out, wanting to play hard for him, and I think eventually, whether that's towards the end of this year or probably more likely next year, those results are going to start to show. Yeah, I think the thing about the Nets is at the beginning of the season they were losing a lot of those close games in the fourth quarter. And what you like to see in these past couple games is they start to turn it around, you know. Paul George game, you lose on a three, that's a heartbreaker. But then you lose, then you, uh, excuse me, then you start to win those close games. That's what you like to see from a young team, that growth, that change, the maturity to be able to take care of business when you have a lead in the fourth quarter. Yeah, one of the guys who's been so instrumental to the Nets' success really since last year coming out of the blue is Dinwiddie who they re-signed to a three-year deal. Now, I think this is, uh, especially for what they got him for, a pr- pretty good value. I think just he's he's clearly outperformed the contract that he was on and added value on a team where the only superstar was really D'Angelo Russell. And I feel like he's slightly unperformed, underperformed since he's gotten there. So I'm, I'm all in favor of the Dinwiddie move. I think it's a good move to lock a guy up who would have some free agency appeal to a lot of contenders and he it, it says something that he wanted to stay in Brooklyn where he really 
I, I guess, I don't want to say blew up, but I, I guess you could say blew up because he's on the map now. Everybody knows his name, you know? Yeah, and I think, too, you know, it's three years, $34 million, it's a deal, so that doesn't hamstring you to go after mm. some of these big free agents. I think the Nets are actually a more attractive destination than the Knicks for some of these big free agents because I know at least if I'm a, a Jimmy Butler or a Kawhi Leonard, I'd rather play for this team because I feel like they're close to getting something. You know what I'm saying? They're they're right there. They, they've got fun pieces. They've got good players. Now it's just a matter of putting it all together, and that's going to take time, and that's maybe going to take getting a superstar. But once they do, then they're going to be one of the better teams in the Eastern Conference. So Sean Marks has done a great job with this rebuild. He knew it was going to be long. He didn't try to do it quickly. He hasn't. And now they're starting to reap some of the results. They're still, I don't think, going to make the playoffs this year. I don't think they're going to be really in contention for that either. But is a team that is slowly but steadily getting better. And five years ago, they made arguably the worst trade in NBA history, at least for their point of view. And now they're they're finally starting to be able to see the other side of that. Yeah, when I look at that Dinwiddie contract, three years, $34 million, that's basically $11 to $12 million a year. And then you look at money that like a guy like Zach Levine got, and their stats aren't like that crazy off. You know, Dinwiddie's getting 17, five assists. I think Levine's probably getting 19, probably not as many assists. So that's really good. Like that's a really good value for him. I think that's one of the best value contracts in the league, possibly. And then you know, other than rookies who are insanely talented. But what Jimmy was saying about the Nets being a better destination, I like their core roster I like some of the pieces I like the coaching but then you look at the Knicks and they got Fizdale who's a well-respected coach on the league they haven't had a well-respected coach in a while and they have no one on their team who's as talented as Kristaps Porzingis and it's hard to evaluate that team when they don't have Kristaps in the lineup that's true and even though KP can't stay healthy I, I do agree that he's more attractive than anyone on the Nets team that they have to offer and then I mean, you make a good point from an X's and O's standpoint. If you're looking at sheer basketball and what the team has to offer, contract situations and everything, you can make a case that the Nets are still that team. But I just think the the whole brand recognition and being the, the team in New York, no one's thinking about the Nets. I feel like for KD, like, I don't know. And I, there, there's nothing I really have to base this off of other than I, I would think that not only KD, but really attractive free agents would, would want to be in the place where it's, you know, it's popping, it's, it's going on. And I just, I, I can't, to, to me, the, the Nets, as good as they are, even when they made the playoffs a few years back, it, it still just didn't have that feel like the Knicks at the Garden. And I don't know how, how you can, you know, come, come back from that and take over the Knicks other than winning basketball games. But I, to me, still... The Knicks are the more popular destination just because of the name. It's New York's team, you know what I'm saying? And I think Brooklyn's trying to go more towards that, more of a brand. They moved yeah. to Brooklyn, I think it was in 2012. They have, you know, these uniforms. They have Biggie Night. You know, they're going for that. <laughs> hey, that was the best part of their season for me. Yeah. But, you know, they're, they're going for this sort of brand of, hey, come to Brooklyn, it's cool here, and whatever. And sometimes it's worked, sometimes it hasn't. I just think, you know, you still have the opportunity to play in New York, but you also get the opportunity to play for a better team. So that's why I would argue maybe for just for the Nets over the Knicks, only because I think the Nets are farther along in the process. And if you're a superstar and you come there, you know that you're going to be on a playoff team no matter what, and a good playoff team at that. I feel like the ratio of Knicks fans to Nets fans in New York would actually cause, like if a big superstar came to the Nets, you would have so many New York fans who were so thought they were so close that there's a superstar so close to the Knicks that they would be infuriated by the fact that you would come to the Knicks and you would just have all of New York hating that superstar, whoever it is who went to the Nets. 
So you, th- you don't think they jump ship? You think they'd just be bitter? About I think the they'd whole thing? just be super bitter. I don't yeah. think that I don't think any New York fan would jump shit to uh, jump ship to Brooklyn. Yeah, that's true. I feel yeah, like they could jump ship, but not to Brooklyn. Fair enough. And uh, only time will tell when it comes to judging who's going to win out in 2019 free agency. My money's still on the Knicks, but look, any any talent around here, I totally welcome, and I'd like to see some success because it's been some it's been some dark days for. New York sports in general, other than I guess the Yankees have been pretty good, but other than that, it's been it's been rough for the past few years. But any storylines you guys want to touch on before finishing up here? Stuff coming up in in, in the NBA recently, we touched on a bunch. Yeah, there's a lot there's a lot going on. Interesting. I think the the team that's captivated me so far this season is the is Memphis. Yeah. Because the way they play is totally different from where everyone else is. They belong in 2004, 2003, <laughs> you know? If that, maybe. Yeah. And they, they played Portland the other night, 92-83. When was the last time there was uh, an NBA game this season, 92-83? That's got to be one of the lowest scoring games of the NBA season. They played a game against the Clippers last week, 96-86. This game against Dallas from uh, November 19th, 98-88. They're just, I, I saw somebody on Twitter said that they're like a, a human pothole of NBA teams where you're driving down <laughs> the road you're cruising you got the music blasting and then you hit them and you you, know, you destroy a tire or you damage your car that's sort of what what happens when you play the grizzlies i don't know if they can make the playoffs I, i'm glad for mike codley because i think he's finally getting the appreciation he deserves still i believe he's never made the all-star game that's uh, a shame. I, I think that's gotta change um but i don't know if they can make the playoffs but i kind of enjoy watching it it's a little bit of a throwback i never got to watch 90s nba i feel like that's kind of how they play so getting to see that it's in a, in a very strange way, kind of fun. All I have to say is, I believe you, Steph Curry. We didn't go to the moon. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I, uh... Are you joking? I think we're ending it there. I don't know what you're talking about, Steph. All right, so that'll do it for this week's edition of Pick and Pod. Make sure to check us out next week. Appreciate you tuning in.